We're back on the show, and I have got the voice of the Atlanta Hawks, and I am super excited about talking with the play-by-play announcer for the Atlanta Hawks, Steve Holman. Steve, it is an honor for you to be here on the show. Well, thank you, Richard. It's, it's nice to be here with you. Well, Steve, I've been following the Atlanta Hawks since I've lived in Atlanta, but, you know, how long have you been calling Atlanta Hawks games? Uh, this is my 38th season. You pretty much have been calling the Atlanta Hawks since uh, 1985. 85-86. All right, so you were in the golden years of Dominique Wilkins, and, I mean, that was just a story right there. The Atlanta Hawks get this kid, Dominique Wilkins, from North Carolina. He played at Georgia, and right. then he goes and plays in the Atlanta Hawks. So you had just an incredible time calling the Atlanta Hawks, which I think that Eastern Conference Finals against the Boston Celtics where they took them to seven games, what was that experience like calling those games when Atlanta really took on Larry Bird, Robert Parrish, Kevin McHale, toe-to-toe in that 87-88 series? Yeah, it was uh, it was May of 88, and uh, it went seven games, and everybody sees the game seven, uh, you know, on pretty much on ESPN Classic or whatever. But uh, the whole series was was interesting. The Hawks lost the first two games. Uh, pretty badly in Boston, and then came back here, just barely won a game, the first game in Atlanta, and then won pretty easily in the second one, went back to Boston. Nobody gave the Hawks a chance uh, because they had been blown out in the first two games in Boston. Uh, But lo and behold, they came away with a win in Boston on game five uh, and were ready to shock the world, came back to the Omni. The Omni was rocking for game six. Uh, Danny Ainge started that game six with a three-pointer right out of the opening tip. And that went right down to the wire and uh, the Hawks had a chance to win that game in in game six, but uh, it ended up with Cliff Levingston taking a shot instead of Dominique. And uh, then we went to game seven and that was back and forth the whole afternoon. It was, it was a terrific uh, Sunday afternoon game and uh, you know, Dominique and Larry Bird battled back and forth. And it was, it was just a lot of fun to be, to be a part of that whole series. And Steve, I got to fast forward to 1994 because that was the year the Atlanta Hawks had the best record in the Eastern Conference. But it was tough because they traded away Dominique Wilkins for Danny Manning. And I know at the time, Dominique Wilkins, I know he was a fan favorite, but Danny Manning was one of the best players in the NBA. Playing for the Suns, he was a very good player. I thought maybe they thought that they could win a championship with Danny Manning. What was that experience like in 94? Well, it was a horrible experience. It was the worst uh, uh, PR move in the history of Atlanta sports, not just the Hawks. Uh, it was a terrible, uh, terrible move. The Hawks, I think, had a chance uh, to at least make it to the finals that year with Dominique. Uh, they brought in Danny Manning from the Clippers, uh, who had already apparently made a deal with the Suns at that point uh, and never had any interest in playing here. So it was a it was it was a tremendous uh, boondoggle getting Danny Manning. He was uh, uh, it, it was a it was one of the worst things that's happened. And you know, thank God they took care of Dominique after that. Brought him back. We retired his number. Uh, you know, he does our TV now, and uh, I sit right across from him on the charter every night across the aisle. So uh, you know, everything's back to normal. But that was a, a horrible period of time uh, when they when they traded him in '94. Now I do remember it. Danny Manning played for the Phoenix Suns the following year, but he did play for the Clippers. It was a pretty bad trade, but right, Dominique got traded to the Clippers, which you know was was bad for him too. Absolutely. At that point. I grew up a Warriors fan. You know, I I grew up as a kid rooting for Tim Mullen, Chris Webber, 
And then, you know, I went through that whole debacle with Latrell Sprewell in 97. My family moved to Sacramento. So in 90, 1997 to 2005, I was part of the Golden Years and went to a lot of Kings games at Arco Arena. And I remember they were playing the Hawks in the early 2000s. I remember a player by the name of Jason Terry who used to torch the Kings. And I remember I started – Liking how the Hawks played before I even moved to Atlanta. I liked right. how they had Sharif Abdurrahim, Glenn Robinson, Jason Terry. They were starting to build something special. And uh, what was that experience like in the early 2000s? And then all of a sudden, it, it just blew up. I mean, they they traded away a lot of their pieces, and, and they were in a rebuilding period for a couple of years. Well, you know, you mentioned Latrell Sprewell, and he was part of the reason uh, that we did kind of blow things up a little bit. Uh, because of the success uh, that the Knicks had against us with Latrell Sprewell, uh, we had a bunch of guys hurt. Chris Crawford was hurt. Uh, Kevin Willis was hurt. And, and we lost in four games to the Knicks. And in that series, Bill Walton was doing some of the, the TV games for NBC, and he said it was the worst playoff team he had ever seen. Uh, and then uh, somebody in our front office decided at that point uh, that we needed to get our own bad boy, so to speak, like Latrell Sprewell. Uh, and, you know, we went out and got J.R. Ryder and traded guys like Steve Smith away. Uh, and it, you know, just totally backfired. And, you know, J.R. was <laughs> J.R. was a debacle from the time he got here. And uh, it kind of set the franchise back. And it took, you know, all the way until that 2008 uh, season to get back into the playoffs. And then, you know, the seven game series against the Celtics of all people again, uh, we were the eighth seed. They were the number one seed. Uh, we weren't expected to do anything in that series. We took them to seven. And uh, that was the famous Zaza against Kevin Garnett series. And uh, Zaza was, you know, that's where he came with nothing is easy. Uh, he came up with that term in that series. And they had videos of him dressed like Rocky on the big board at the, uh, at the arena. And uh, it was, it was, it was a fun thing, but it took a long time. Took almost, well, I think it was nine seasons. We didn't have playoffs exactly. uh, before we got back to that one again. I tell you, and that was when I really started becoming a Hawks fan. I went to my first playoff game in 2009. Unfortunately, they were swept by LeBron's Cavs. But that core players of Josh Smith, Joe Johnson, Al Hortford, Mike Bibby, I mean, they stuck around. Al Horford was the core of that group all the way up until, I want to say, 2016 when we get into the Mike Budenholzer years. But which of those teams did you feel was the closest to winning a championship? Uh, I would say the, the closest that we had out of out of those years was uh, probably the uh, well the, the year that you mentioned when we won sixty games in twenty sixteen uh, in that Al Horford, uh, Josh Smith, uh, you know Joe Johnson era. Uh, we were we were good, but you know you run into. Uh, you know, first we ran into Larry Bird every year. Then we started running into Michael Jordan every year and, and only one team could win every year. So it was tough. Uh, but I think that 2016 team that won 60 games, uh, that was a great opportunity. And you remember that Eastern finals against the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, Kyle Korver had his leg practically broken by, uh, Della Vadova. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that really hurt. Al got thrown out of a game. Uh, that was a, uh, you know, was a bad call. And he, and he, he got thrown out of that game. And so we didn't win a game in that series, but I think that was, that was, might've been one of the best teams that we've had. And now, you know, with, with, uh, with Trey and these other young guys, and now with DeJounte Murray, you know, we're building towards something really good here. And, uh, and Yeka Kongu is, is very good young player. He was the number six pick in the draft. So, 
uh, you know, we've got we've got some pieces right now. And I think that, uh, you know, it's building in the right direction now towards the towards uh, championship contention. I absolutely agree. I think that the Atlanta Hawks, when they have all their pieces and when they're healthy, I think the Hawks actually match up with just about anybody in the Eastern Conference. You got a big game at State Farm Arena tomorrow against the Los Angeles Clippers. The Hawks are turning in the right direction. They're right now, if you look at the standings, they would be in the play-in game. But you know, Steve, that the Hawks want to try to avoid the play-in game and they really want to try to avoid a Boston or or a Philly right now because right now they're the number one, number two seed. Right. You want to get into the number six spot, you know, to avoid the play in. Uh, last year, we had to go in the play in and you win two games that were basically game sevens. Uh, we beat Charlotte at home and then had to go into Cleveland and uh, and beat the Cavaliers and then made it into the uh, playoffs against Miami. And by the time they, they got in against Miami, they didn't have much left in the tank and, and lost in five games in that series. So it, it's really important to try to get the number six spot. There are only two games out of that right now in the loss column. And really, they're only four games out of the uh, the number seven spot right now, too. So if they could put together something good here, uh, you know, over the last month of the season, we've got a big road trip coming up out west, you know, five games. It's not going to be easy. They play the Clippers here tomorrow night. They beat the Clippers earlier this year out in L.A. Uh, but once they get past that five-game, ten-day uh, trip out west, uh, the schedule becomes pretty favorable as far as uh, home against road. Uh, for the end of February and and pretty much all of March. So I think they have a chance to make some hay at that time with all these home games and, uh, you know, possibly move into that number six spot or maybe even maybe even five, you know, at this point. Uh, So uh, I I think, if, like you said, if they can stay healthy uh, and keep the whole squad together, which hasn't been easy this year, uh, they've only had the whole squad together maybe, what, four or five games all year, and they've managed to keep their head above water and be a game over 500 right now. So if they can if they can tread water a little bit on that West Coast trip, which uh, is going to be a tough one, and then get back, uh, I think I think we've got a good shot maybe of getting into that number six spot at least, or maybe five. Steve, I got to ask you, what was that experience like when Michael Jordan played his final game in Atlanta at the Georgia Dome? Uh, that was that was something. That was uh, uh, he. Well, you know that was that was a, a crazy game because they had the what sixty thousand fans or whatever that was amazing but his first was like game record but his first game back that he played against us he scored right at the very end uh and, and that was a you know phenomenal game too and uh so he's had some good games against the hawks over the years and but that that whole experience was uh was something because we had to go we were on a back-to-back on a road game right out of that and the traffic was unbelievable uh and uh it was right in the middle of freak dick too uh along with you know, the 60,000 people getting out of the dome. So we had to have police escorts uh, down to the airport to to leave out of the, the FBO where the, the charter leaves. Uh, and we had a guy named, I don't know if you remember, Darren Hancock, uh, a pretty local guy who played for us for one year. Uh, he never made it to the plane. So we, we didn't see him after. <laughs> we didn't see him until we got back into town. Steve, you've been calling the Atlanta Hawks since 1985, but how did you get your start in broadcasting? Like, like, where did your start come from? I started in my hometown of Lawrence, Massachusetts. Uh, Kurt Gowdy owned the radio station, the great Kurt Gowdy, who uh, did everything. In fact, the, the Hall of Fame, it's the Kurt Gowdy Award, the Media Award in Springfield. Uh, but he did everything at the time. He, in the 70s, he was, you know, he did baseball, the World Series. He did the Super Bowls. He was doing the NCAA basketball championships. 
He had uh, uh, a show called American Sportsman that was on. He was also part of Wide World of Sports. So he was the he was number one in everything at that point. And he owned the radio station. So I, I got to go in there and practice in, uh, after high school every day. And uh, they put me on weekends. And then finally, uh, between my junior and senior year in high school, they brought me in and hired me full time. And uh, as soon as I got a, that job there, uh, I went immediately and got a press pass to the Celtics games. And I, Johnny Most was somebody that I had always, you know, uh, idolized and and wanted to be Johnny Most. So uh, I went to Johnny, introduced myself to him as a, you know, 17-year-old, 18-year-old kid. And he let me keep score for him. And I did that. And several years later, he lost his voice. And uh, I had to take over in the middle of a game and then did some more games after that and uh, went from uh, what I was doing at Lawrence to the CBS station in Boston uh, and then the, the the guy that was my program director in Boston came to Atlanta uh, to start WGST and uh, the All News Station. And he called and uh, said, do you want to come to Atlanta? And off we went uh, in August of 1980 and uh, have been here ever since. Now, you've called other sports besides basketball, right? Right. I've done. Uh, uh, well, I was part of the Falcon broadcast for five years. Didn't do play by play on that, but I worked with Bob Deal and Brad Nessler for four years. Uh, so we did that uh, together. Uh, I've also uh, filled in on Braves. Uh, I kind of famously filled in on Don Sutton's uh, Hall of Fame weekend uh, with Larry Munson. Uh, Larry and I did the Braves games in Pittsburgh that weekend. So that was pretty interesting. And that was a trip to work with Larry. That was that was so much fun because he was such a great guy. And uh, always, you know, when he WSB and everything, when we were there, I would always see him and talk to him. And uh, my son went to Georgia uh, and Larry came to his fraternity after a game one day. And everybody kind of tripped out at that because Larry came and had a beer. And uh, it, it was great to work with him. And that was that was so much fun to do. Uh, you know, I've also done some Georgia Tech basketball uh, back in the early 80s uh, with Al Serraldo and Brad. Uh, I got to call the famous uh, Danny Ainge game at the Omni in the tournament when they beat Notre Dame. He dribbled up the floor and scored right at the buzzer. Uh, and I, I happened to be on the play-by-play of that game uh, because Al and Brad and I, we all rotated through all those games that were being played in the regionals. And that's the one I just happened to draw. And it turned out to be, uh, you know, one of the great games in college basketball history. And I also heard that you called play-by-play in the 96 Olympics. Uh, yes, I did. I did the Olympics. I did some boxing. Uh, I did the, uh, I did some of the men's games and I called the women's gold medal game in 1996 on Westwood one NBC uh, used to be a mutual radio, but uh, then it was, NBC had the rights, of course, and 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 it was part of Westwood One. So uh, I did that, and uh, I did the boxing. I had never done boxing before, but the guy that was handling the boxing had to get got called back to to his home uh, in Washington, and they sent me over to Georgia Tech where the boxing was taking place. And I said, "Well, I've never done boxing," and uh, they said, "It's okay. It's just uh, basketball with gloves on." So uh, <laughs> I, I was able to do the play by play of that, and it turned out. It was the only gold medal the U.S. won in '96, and I called that that fight. So it was, uh, it was, it was, it was great. Well, you have had a amazing broadcasting career, a great relationship with 92.9 The Game. I really love your broadcast partner, Mike Conti, doing uh, the Atlanta United games. I actually was listening to him 
just to get familiar with calling the Columbus Rapids, which I am the play-by-play announcer. It's an indoor soccer team here in Columbus, Georgia. Right, right. And, uh, Mike Conti just does an amazing job, and he really does a great job on the Hawks broadcast too. Just yeah, he's got. In fact, he's got a. He's got something with soccer tomorrow night. I think they have some sort of game or something, and so he's going to be off. John Fricky is going to be filling in tomorrow night to do the uh, the sideline stuff with me. So, oh, phenomenal uh, yeah. broadcaster too. Yeah, Mike, and that that soccer season. Uh, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of grueling because they don't really, it seems to go on all year. It's oh, of uh, course. Have a few weeks off here and there. And then they start another part of a, I don't understand it all. Uh, but, uh, but they, they're working all the time with that soccer stuff with the United. Well, Steve, I love your style. You get so exciting on the broadcast of the Hawks broadcast. When Trey Young hits a three, I mean, you, you're just, just uh, the intensity and I just get excited when I'm listening to the games on the radio. It's just incredible. You just, just keep up that energy. I mean, it really brings the broadcast to life. Well, thank you. It's, it's tremendous when he makes a three is what we say. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the Hawks, you know, they, they got a lot of future. I, I believe getting Jajonte Murray, they got the complimentary piece to Trey young. I feel that this team can compete with the teams in the Eastern conference, but, but right now, I mean, the Boston Celtics, have the best record in the East. And and right now, I believe the Celtics are the team to beat. I mean, they went to the finals they, last year. and They are, but, the, you know, they've stumbled a little bit here in the last week or so. And and what happened to them last year was, uh, you know, they have really good defensive players on that team, but their offense uh, pretty much depends on two guys, you know, uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And the problem for them last year when they got to the finals was that Tatum was totally out of gas. And they depend on those two so much for offense. So I don't know if they're going to be in the market to make any kind of deals, uh, but right now they are. Uh, they're they're probably the team to beat right now. And you know if Golden State gets their act together too and and sneaks into their into that top six, uh, anytime you've got Steph Curry and those guys that have been there and done that, uh, they're going to be tough too coming out of the West. Steve, you uh, keep track of college basketball in the uh, Georgia area, all the Georgia basketball teams? Uh, not as much as I probably should. Uh, you know, I kind of have my hands full with the NBA, but, uh, but I, I do, I, I keep track of, you know, I, uh, you know, watch, uh, coach white there with Georgia and, and oh, he's doing a great job, job, the job that he's done, you know, coming in from Florida. And, uh, yeah, I, I follow all teams, Georgia tech, of course, you know, Dennis Scott used to work with me for three years doing the, the analyst job with me. So I'm kind of close to tech and, uh, and Bobby Cremins was, was, was so much fun to be around all the time. And some of those tournament games that we called, um, in fact, Brad and Al and I called uh, the game in Providence when they played against Georgetown in the 82 playoffs. And uh, they everybody thought they had a great chance to win that one. And, and one of the few times, I think Mark Price was three for 17 in that game, uh, was played in Providence. And, uh, you know, they ended up losing. But that was a lot of fun to be around that team, too. When I lived up in the metro Atlanta area, I lived in a, a city called Ackworth, about 10 minutes away from the campus of Kennesaw State University. Right. And I know how big it would be for the community if Kennesaw State made it to the NCAA tournament. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if Kennesaw, I think they've got a great chance, too, of, of making it. So, uh, you know, they they really uh, they've been very good and I, I hope they do make it. And, you know, Georgia State has provided a lot of thrills, too, over the last, uh, you know, 10 years or so. They sneak into the, the tournament once in a while too. And they've got a brand new facility that they just built downtown. And, uh, you know, it, it, everything's going great uh, for, for all the teams around here. 
We always like to see the Georgia basketball teams do well. When Mercer beat Duke in 2014, uh, Georgia State has made it to the NCAA tournament a couple times. Georgia Tech's having kind of a down year, 8-12 and 12 right now, but you know they got a big game this Saturday taking on the Duke Blue Devils. That used to be a very hot ticket. I remember oh, yeah. it was tough to try to get to a, a, a game at Alexander Memorial Coliseum anytime the Duke Blue Devils were playing Georgia Tech. Right. There are a lot of Dukies around. You know, we've got a couple on our team now, too. A.J. Griffin is oh, going to yeah. be Griffin's having a great he's gonna have season. a big time career. A.J. can really play and he's only 19. Uh, you know, Jalen Johnson, too. So we've got the uh, the Duke contingent on our team for sure. I really love the young core of Atlanta Hawks. You know, John Collins, DeJounte Murray, Trey Young. Uh, when DeAndre Hunter is healthy, I think that DeAndre Hunter can be a great two way player and bring some offense and also defend on the wing as well. Oh, yeah, he's, he's one of our best defensive players, and, and he was our best defensive player, I would say, until DeJounte got here. Uh, so now between the two of them, we can play some defense. And, uh, you know, Clint Capella is a tremendous rebounder. And uh, like I said earlier, Yeka Okongwu is really starting to come on strong. And uh, I think if he gets another summer under his belt where he, you know, puts a little weight on and, and gets in that weight room a little bit more, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with too. So it is. It's exciting, and, and they're all young. I mean, everybody's – our guys are all pretty youthful. I think Bogey's one of our oldest guys, and he's 30 or 31 now, So, uh, and Clint's close to that. But uh, everybody else is pretty darn young. And like I say, AJ's not going to be 20 till his August, so uh, he's got a lot of time to grow. I am super excited about the Hawks, but let's go back to 2021. Uh, that incredible run when the Hawks made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, do you think that if Trey Young does not step on the ref's foot, that the Hawks are playing the Suns in the NBA Finals? I think there was a great chance of it happening because uh, Giannis was not 100%. You remember, he got hurt early in that series. Uh, the Hawks had some momentum. They won game one in Milwaukee. Uh, and that Trey's, I, that was, a, I don't know what he scored, 40-something points in that game. Uh, and I think they did have a great chance. But when when he stepped on Sean Wright's foot, uh, that pretty much closed the book on that season. But, I mean, it was great. I mean, to, to be able to go in and win a game seven against Philadelphia uh, and the series against the Knicks where Trey emerged as the villain in New York and uh, took the bow and all that, it was it was exciting. Uh, and nobody thought they could win a game seven, uh, certainly, and not in Philadelphia for sure. And uh, that was a Kevin Herter special that game. Uh, he had the game of his life in that game, and uh, the Hawks win, and and I do think you're right. I, I I think if Trey didn't get hurt, we had a great chance of making it into the finals. Steve, I am just so happy that you were able to uh, join me here on the show. And, you know, a, a little tidbit, I, I heard that you're from Noonan, and, and that really got me excited because you know <laughs> this show is broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan. So, uh, right, yeah, of course, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's great. And, uh, you know, I'm a, a big fan of uh, Noonan High School at East Coweta. You know, Hap Hines is the athletic director at uh, East Coweta, so I follow them. And uh, we've got some kids in my neighborhood here that play on the football team and basketball team. And uh, it's fun to see the neighbor kids uh, have grown up and now are having great careers in high school. Yeah, if you go towards Atlanta, you also have Sandy Creek that won a state title in football and Langston Hughes that won a state title in football. Right. Sandy Creek, isn't that's uh let's see, they've had some pretty big names, right? Oh, Jabari Creek. Smith Jr., Megatron. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so that that's a good program, that's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, so uh Steve, the, the final segment is uh let's your mid season awards. We're getting ready for the all star break. Okay, so who wins rookie of the year? 
Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm not good at all these award things. Uh, they don't let us vote anymore on those. Oh, we used really? To... I thought maybe you'd be a voting member. No, I'm not. What they did was they used to have three people in every city, and they would usually have the the, the radio play-by-play guy, the TV play-by-play guy, and then maybe the beat writer. Uh, but several years ago, the NBA decided that they didn't want the local broadcasters and writers to vote because they thought, it, you know, we might be biased for our own guys. So they made it a national thing. They have like 100 voters now. But the problem is that most of those 100 voters that they have nationally, like Stephen A. Smith and people like that that are on the uh, that get to vote, they don't see everybody. They don't see every team. So it's really hard to, uh, you know, for them to judge, I think. And and we see every team during the year. So it's it's um, it's different. I think rookie of the year, I mean. You know, I like AJ, but I don't think he's played enough minutes to get it. But, uh, you know, he certainly should get some consideration for it, I think. I do think it's probably going to be either Paulo Boncaro or Benedict Matherin. Uh, well, Matherin's good, good with the Pacers. And, and you know, he kind of helped them get to where they were early when he, they surprised a lot of people. They faded off late, recently. Uh, but uh, Boncaro uh, is the real deal. I mean, he is Absolutely. he is legitimate. And he's going to help that team a lot over the next several years. In fact, they've gotten so much better now, Orlando. They've got so many young players uh, that that they are, I, I think, very soon. Uh, and and Oklahoma City, the, the team that we we beat the other night in in OKC, uh, they've got a lot of young players, and they've had a lot of draft picks. They've still got more draft picks, so they're going to be very good too. But uh, Ben Caro, uh, I you're right. I think you know, I'm pretty sure he'll win it. But I hope AJ gets some consideration, like in the top three, anyway. Oh, absolutely. Since he's come on strong, playing some minutes, and he could shoot the three. I mean, that is nice to see from your rookie who's not even 20 years old yet. No, he can shoot. He can, you know, he's been around the NBA his whole life. You know, his dad, Adrian, played. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, and he's AJ, so he's Adrian, too. So, uh, and his dad's a coach with the Toronto Raptors now, too. So, uh, he, he said that he said that in his blood, you know, the NBA all these years. So, he, he carries himself real well and uh, he, he doesn't act like a 19-year-old. Steve, best of luck the rest of the season. I'll continue listening to you on the broadcast for the Atlanta Hawks. We we also broadcast the Hawks down here in Columbus on 95.7 ESPN Radio. So it's really just that great relationship of being the voice of the Atlanta Hawks and really following this team from start to finish. I mean, that's really what it's all yeah. about. We want to bring a championship to Atlanta, and hopefully Trey Young can hoist that Larry O'Brien trophy one day. And all i got to say is go Hawks. Yeah, I'd like that. That would be fun, that's for sure. And again, thanks for having me. And we appreciate uh, all of our stations along the Hawks Network and uh, all the people that listen to us on Sirius XM and everywhere else. And uh, you know, it's it's great having you on the the, the station here in Noonan. And uh, you know, good luck with your career too. All right, that was Steve Holman, the voice of the Atlanta Hawks. Thank you everybody for watching and listening to another episode. I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we are out of here. Bye. You are listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM The Key from 2 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. This is a local podcast that covers Columbus sports and beyond. If you would like to hear more of this podcast, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.